congregation, what dire circumstances did the people of Judah find themselves in when the Syrian army had surrounded Jerusalem and was absolutely determined to destroy it. And then Sennacherib, the arrogant king of the Syrians, sent this brazen, wicked, and blasphemous letter to Hezekiah, in which he openly mocked with the God of Israel. What did Hezekiah do? He entered into the house of God, and he laid that blasphemous letter before the countenance of God. And then what happened? God rose by his might and put all his enemies to flight with shame and with consternation. Because the angel of the Lord came and struck 185,000 soldiers who perished. In one moment, the God of Israel annihilated the hostile force that surrounded Jerusalem. And most commentators believe that it was Hezekiah who, as he reflected on that remarkable divine deliverance, composed Psalm 46 and said, This God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. With God's help, we want to focus briefly on these precious words, these opening words, and of course, and the whole psalm will be brought into the message, but especially these opening verse in which we have a blessed declaration about the God of Israel. And three obvious points. Boys and girls, again, uh, look at the passage, okay? So, first of all, we're told that this God is our refuge and strength. That's our first point. Secondly, that he is a very present help in trouble. This God who is our refuge and strength. And thirdly, that this God is the immovable confidence of all who put their trust in him. It says, therefore, because he is who he is, therefore we will not fear. So a blessed declaration about the God of Israel, who is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble, and our immovable confidence. Congregation, it's so beautiful. It's so powerful how that psalm begins. It begins with God is. Now, of course, in the original text, the word is is not there. And it translated added that to for, for the sake of, of grammatical fluency. But the fact remains, this opening statement about God and his character, God is our refuge and strength. And the most comforting truth that I can proclaim to you 
As we stand in the threshold of the year 2024, the most comforting truth is that God is. God is. He is. The great I am that I am. The unchangeable I am that I am. The God of yesterday is the God of today. And the God of today is the God of tomorrow. I, the Lord, change not. What a comforting truth that is, congregation. As we stand before a new year. It's striking, is it not? All around the world, the beginning of a new year is loudly celebrated. Often drowned in alcohol. People partying. Probably because many people want to ignore the stark reality of which we are reminded every time we have New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and that is the rapid passage of time. We live in a world that in every conceivable way wants to ignore the reality of our mortality. But there's also this exuberance. People embracing each other, wishing each other a happy new year. Somehow embracing the illusion that perhaps this will be the year that everything will turn out in my favor. Maybe this will be the year that everything will work well for me. Happy New Year. Congregation, we know better. I can say with certainty that 2024 will not be a happy year. That 2024 will be a continuation of all the troubles, all the turmoils that so profoundly characterize 2023. There will continue to be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. There will be pestilences. A world that will roil in trouble and turmoil in every conceivable way. It will be a year, as I already alluded in my prayer, in which the footsteps of the returning Christ will grow louder and louder. A year in which the signs that point to His return will intensify the Word of God clearly tells us that. Matthew 24, but also Revelation, clearly tells us that the closer we come, the more these natural calamities, these natural catastrophes, all of these things, all of that will intensify. And what a comfort it then is to be able to know that we, as the people of God, that we are able to face that uncertain future. That we are able to face a year that will be filled with trouble, filled with turmoil, filled with unsettling events. To know that God is. Psalm 90 says it so beautifully, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. But what's so beautiful 
and so consistent with Scripture that God almost always mentions His name in connection with a description that defines who He is for His people. And so it is in our text. God is our refuge and our strength. There are countless examples all through Scripture which you could easily multiply. God is my mercy. God is my strength. God is my righteousness. God is our salvation. And on and on we could go. Because God wants to be known as the God of His people. He wants to be known on January 1, 2024. He wants, he wants His people to know, my, my dear children, I am your refuge and I am your strength. I am the unchangeable God. I am the God who will never, never forsake the work of His own hands. God is our refuge and our strength. Oh, this psalm so beautifully confirms what I've said several times. It's such an important truth that God does what He does because He is who He is. God does what He does because He is who He is. Also in his deeds with which the scriptures are filled, by his deeds he, he affirms to be who he is. And here we have this wonderful description. God is our refuge. God is our strength. That word refuge means shelter. A place where we can hide. A place in which we can find security and safety. A God in whom we can trust. A God in whom we can confide. A, a refuge. Like a shelter. A shelter that you would find in the midst of a, a raging storm. A place in which you can be secure. And Hezekiah, having just gone through all of this, he jubilantly say, this God who delivered us from Sennacherib, this God is our refuge and He is our strength. In Deuteronomy 33, 27, Moses says it so beautifully, he says, the eternal God is thy refuge. And the rest of the psalm unpacks that for us, especially verse 7 and verse 11. Because there it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What a beautiful description that is of who this God is, who is our refuge and strength. First of all, this God, dear people, this God in whom we may put our trust at the threshold of 2024, first of all, He is the Lord of hosts. And again, look at your Bible. Again, what jumps out at us? That precious name in capital letters. That name that, is, that permeates the entire Old Testament 6,575 times. We see that name stand out in capital letters. That precious covenant name of God. That name that affirms who He is in Christ. That gospel name of God. That name that 
opens up the heart of God, that name that unveils his good pleasure. This God is the God of hosts. Not only is he the God of his people, but he's the Lord of hosts. That's a powerful description of who God is. What that simply means to say that he is the God of the entire universe. Everything there is, he is the God who governs this entire universe. He is the God who upholds the entire universe by his power. And what we know today from the new telescopes that are peering deeply into this universe we realize that this universe is so vast that it absolutely defies our ability to begin to comprehend the vastness of this universe. And it is his universe. He upholds this magnificent universe in all of its complexity. He upholds it by the power of his glorious being. And to be able to say, that God is our refuge and our strength. To be able to say that that God is with us. Twice we read that in this psalm. He is with us. Now, boys and girls, when you hear that, I hope that right away you think about that wonderful name of the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. We see that beautifully expressed here. How can it be? How can it be that this majestic creator, this majestic Lord of hosts, how can he be with us? Well, we have just commemorated the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because of him that God can be with us. It is because of Christ that he can be our refuge. Had his son not come in the fullness of time, to give himself as a sacrifice for sin, this God, this Lord of hosts, would have to be against us because we are sinners. But the wonderful truth of the gospel, that in Christ he can be with us, that in Christ God can literally open up his heart to us and say to us, in my bosom there is a place for you. There is a place by me. I am your refuge. Oh, what an amazing thing. And then it adds, the God of Jacob is our refuge. This is one of those classic Hebrew repetitions. As you undoubtedly know and have been taught before, that the way you emphasize something in Hebrew is by repeating it. But the repetition always sheds light on the original statement. So who is this Lord of hosts? Well, he wants to be known as the God of Jacob. And congregation, what a beautiful name that is. What an astonishing statement that is about the gospel, about the very character of God. How can it be that this majestic God, this thrice holy God, how can he allow his name to be mentioned in the same breath with Jacob? Jacob. Who was Jacob? The son of Isaac and Rebekah. 
but he was a sinner. And what does his name mean? Jacob means supplanter. It means deceiver. Jacob was by nature and by birth an ungodly man. And yet a man whom God saved. And yet a man whom God transformed by His grace. Yet a man whom God brought into a relationship with Himself. Oh, that name unveils to us the very essence of the gospel. It unveils to us the very purpose for which God gave His Son in the fullness of time, and that is to bring sinners into an everlasting love relationship with Himself. So how, how can God be the God of Jacob? How can He allow His name to stand next to the name of a sinner? And the answer is congregation. That between those two names, there is another name. There is a name above every name between those two names. And that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God can be the God of Jacob. And Jacob can be a child of the living God. In Christ, there is an unbreakable union between God and between all of his Jacobs. And what that name reveals, congregation, that name reveals that God knows all of His children by name. He is not only the God of Jacob, but dear believer, He is your God. You may fill in your name. He knows you by name. Your name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is graven in the palms of his hands. He is not ashamed to be called your God. Not ashamed to be called the God of Jacob. And it is that God, that God of salvation, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts, it is that God who is our refuge. It is that God who is our strength. It is that God who in His Son continues to welcome sinners to come to Him. In His Son, God has opened a refuge for sinners, for the vilest of sinners. And that refuge is open in 2024. Sinners, are welcome to find refuge in this God of salvation, all for the sake of God's only begotten Son. But not only is He our refuge, no, this God is also our strength. We think of the beautiful words of Psalm 89, where the psalmist says, where God is speaking, He says, I have laid help upon one that is mighty, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it all points to Christ, you see. Everything God reveals about Himself is all revealed in His Son, all of it. We can only properly read the Scriptures. We can only properly interpret this psalm in light of the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in Christ that He is our refuge. It is in Christ that He is our strength. 
What a comforting truth that is as we stand before the year 2024. To be able to know that no matter what comes my way, no matter what troubles may come or what troubles you may presently experience, that not only may we flee to this refuge, but we might in, in this God we will find the strength we need to be able to run the race that God has also set before us. Oh, what a precious truth this is for those who know themselves to be weak and helpless. Oh, to know that also in 2024, the words that Christ said to Paul are so true when he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. What a blessed truth. My grace is sufficient for thee. Also in 2024, the grace of God will be sufficient for you personally, for you in your marriages, for you and as fathers and mothers in, in raising your children, in, in your daily calling, whatever it may be. His grace will be sufficient. It will always be sufficient. God's grace will always exceed our circumstances. Always. And He never will put to shame those that put their trust in Him. Let's not overlook the important word, our. See, that's the comfort of, of the psalmist. Hezekiah could say, this God is our strength and our refuge. Congregation, do you know that? As we stand at the threshold of 2024. Because that is what we need to know. We can only face an unknown, an uncertain future if we know that this God of Jacob, the Lord of hosts, is also my God. That's the only comfort in life and death. So beautifully explained in the opening question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. That's what Luther meant, as I've said before, that the essence of religion is a matter of personal pronouns. Is this God your God? Is this God the God of your salvation? Are you reconciled with this God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Because you see, then, then alone can you really face the future. Then you can lay down your head on your pillow at night. Oh, if God is not your God, if you have not yet fled for refuge to this precious Christ, if you have not yet sought Him, with the burden of your sinful and corrupt life to find salvation in this Christ, then you cannot face 2024. Because if this God is not your God, for Christ's sake, then you are in danger of perishing in 2024. How many were there not who began 2023 with us 
and who did not arrive at this point, for whom the end of their temporal journey came. And as we heard last night, that will come for us as well. And so with all the love of my heart, I want to bind this upon you, boys and girls, young people. I'm asking you the question, what is your relationship to this God, this God of Psalm 46? Is he your God? Is he your refuge? Is he your strength? Turn, turn with me to Psalm 18, which so beautifully underscores this very personal nature of this confession. Psalm 18, the opening two verses, where David speaks and where that personal pronoun, my, occurs nine times. Listen to what David says. He says, I will love thee, O Lord. That's that wonderful name in capital letters. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. That's it. That is the only comfort in life and death, but we need to go on. Because then he says, not only is he our refuge and strength, he is a very present help in trouble. And that word trouble says it all. That word trouble is the reality of our fallen world, a world that is filled with trouble. The lives of so many people are troubled lives, troubled lives because of sin, because we are living as fallen sons and daughters of Adam in a world that the Bible calls a, a veil of tears. Job 5, verse 7, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Psalm 90, verse 10, Their strength, the strength of our years, is labor and sorrow. And nowhere does the Bible say that trouble will never be the portion of God's children. We don't believe in a health and wealth gospel. God never promises his people a trouble-free and an affliction-free life. On the contrary, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 2 says it plainly, all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked. Jesus said to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion in John 16 verse 33, in the world ye shall have tribulation. And the apostle in Hebrews 12 actually goes so far as to say, if there is no chastisement, if there is no discipline in your life, you are a bastard. You do not belong to the family of God. And so God uses troubling circumstances, uses trials, uses sickness, whatever perplexities could possibly come our way in the year 2024. But the comfort for God's children is when those troubles come, this God will prove to be a present help in those troubles. For the apostle tells us that all things, and when you read that in context in Romans 8, in the verses before, he's, he's talking about the fact that 
when he wrote that letter, many of God's people were being persecuted for righteousness' sake. He's saying, all these things, all your troubles, all of your trials, all of your difficulties, they must work together for your spiritual good. They must work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And what is the good? Does that mean temporal prosperity? Does that mean that we will secure the riches of this perishing world? No, for our spiritual good, that we might be conformed to the image of God's Son. That's God's agenda, dear people of God. God's agenda for your life in 2024 is to conform you to the image of His Son. And He will do whatever it takes, including trials and, and troubles and perplexities so that we die to ourselves, so that our flesh gets crucified, so that we begin to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not interested in our temporal comfort. He's not interested in our temporal prosperity. Oh, yes, He provides. He promises that when we seek His kingdom his, and, we seek, and His righteousness, He will take care of our temporal needs. But God's overarching goal in your life is your spiritual prosperity to conform you to the image of His Son. But the beautiful comfort of this text is that if troubles come your way in 2024, you will find him, this God, to be a very present help in trouble. And this statement is so rich. Commentators all, all deal with this. And so in the Dutch Bible, it says, who has powerfully proven himself to be a help in trouble. That's his reputation. Our Bible says he is a very present help in trouble. The German Bible alludes to the fact that he will be in the future a present help in trouble, and all three of them are true. He has proven himself to be this God. He is this God today, and he will be in the future because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. What a comfort that is. What a comfort in all of our circumstances. That's what enabled David to say in Psalm 138, verse 7, though, he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thy right hand will save me. And Kelvin points out that the Hebrew actually says he will be an exceeding help in trouble. That means that his grace will exceed our troubles will be always greater than our troubles. Ah, you see, God has a reputation to uphold. That's what Hezekiah said, what he just did for us by delivering us from Sennacherib and from his hosts simply confirms who he is. He has confirmed that he is our God who will not forsake his people. He is a very present help in trouble. That's the comfort for 2024. We don't know what the future holds, as has been famously said, but we know that he holds the future. And one, we, one, one thing we know with absolute certainty, 
that no matter what will befall us in 2024, this will be true. He will prove to be our resurrection. He saw that letter, and he arose, and by his might, put all his enemies to flight with shame and consternation. A very present help in trouble for needy sons and daughters of Adam. Even when we get into trouble because of our sin and because of our foolishness. When David arrived at Ziklag and the city had been burned and their wives and children had been taken, he knew it was because of his sin that all of this happened. And his own men were ready to turn against him. He was in danger. And what do we read then? And, and David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And God delivered him. A very present help in trouble. Jonah got himself into trouble. Cast overboard. But God did not forsake him. He had been disobedient, but God provided a fish and rescued his rebellious servant, a present help in trouble. When the three young men were thrown into a fiery furnace, God was a present help in trouble. There was a fourth one walking with them like unto the Son of Man. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the Lord of hosts was with him. The God of Jacob was his refuge. He proved to be a very present help in trouble. And the disciples found themselves in the midst of a raging storm on the Sea of Galilee. Christ came in that storm. He came and he rescued them. He proved to be a very present help in trouble. And then finally, as a final argument, the psalmist says, therefore, in light of all this, therefore will not we fear. And so he's not saying that there is no reason to fear. If we look at the future and all that's happening in the world politically in our own nation, realizing what a tumultuous year this could be, what a dangerous moment we have arrived at in the history of our nation when we think of what might happen in 2024, when we think of what's happening in the world scene, the potential of World War III. There's much reason to fear. And yet the psalmist says, therefore will not we fear. Not because we are so strong in ourselves, but we will not fear because of who God is. He is our refuge and strength. And then he uses a very dramatic illustration to make the point. We call that hyperbole. He says, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, so he uses the radical example. Just imagine that somehow the earth itself could be moved out of its circuit. He says, even then we will not fear. Even if there is an unspeakable storm that strikes, 
Even when there is an earthquake that causes the mountains to be cast into the middle of the sea. Even though there is a monstrous hurricane that barrels down upon us with with utterly destructive tsunamis hitting the shore, even if all of that were to happen, even then, even then, God will be our refuge and our strength. There is no pit so deep or God will not be deeper still. Therefore, we will not fear. And we are very prone to fear. Our natural tendency is to be fearful and to be anxious. Also, for God's children. That's why there are so many fear nots in the Bible. 62 times you will read the phrase fear not. 28 times it says be not afraid. Fear not. That's what the psalmist is saying. That's what Hezekiah is saying. They just came through a very fearful situation. But he realized afresh What a God he had. What a God they served. He recognized afresh that though they feared and trembled because of the might and power of Sennacherib, they did not need to fear because God arose and he came to the rescue of his people. And so the blessed antidote for anxiety, and it's staggering, how much anti-anxiety medication is prescribed by our pharmacies. But the real antidote for anxiety is to hope in this God. David rebukes himself in Psalm 42, verse 11. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Isaiah 41, verse 10, the Lord says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Romans 8, 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Because God plus one is always the majority. Always. And so basically what the psalmist is saying, even if our whole life gets turned upside down, that's the language he's using. If everything is topsy-turvy, if our whole life is turned upside down, if we lose all of our comfort zones, if all of that were to happen, if everything would fall apart, even then we need not fear because then this God will prove to be our refuge and strength and our very present help in trouble. That's why David said in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Emmanuel, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In Psalm 112, verse 7, he says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That's why Luther famously would encourage Melanchthon. Melanchthon who had a much weaker constitution than Luther did. Melanchthon would get very discouraged about what would happen 
And he would say, Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm. That's what they would do. That's how they would encourage each other. And so that's the thrust, that's the bottom line, is that we need to, rather than focus on the circumstances, and they can be intimidating, they can be unsettling, but rather than focus on the circumstances, the psalmist says we need to look at the God of the circumstances. We need to focus on Him. And then, then we can face 2024. And so let us not put our confidence in princes. Rapshaki, when he mocked with the people of Israel, said, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Let me ask you the same question as your, your pastor today. What is, what is your confidence? What is the confidence in which you trust for the year 2024? And I realize we are all alarmed by the political developments in our country, alarmed by the potential of what may happen in this election year. There's reason to fear. But congregation, no politician can correct what's happening in our nation. We need this God to intervene. We need this God to send revival. We need this God to arise and by His might put all of His enemies, His spiritual enemies, to flight with shame and consternation. That alone will restore our nation. And that should be our prayer in the year 2024. And finally, if this God is not yet your refuge, and if He's not yet your strength, then I may proclaim to you that He is willing to be your refuge and your strength. That I may proclaim to you that in Christ, He is the willing Savior of sinners. That also in 2024, there will be a wide open door for sinners to come. Also in 2024, God will say to sinners in Christ, there is a place also for you in Christ. I am willing to be your God in Christ and for Christ's sake. I am willing to pardon your sins. I am willing to be reconciled with you in Christ. I will prove also in 2024 that whoever comes to him, I will in no wise cast him out. And that's the comfort that the gospel will be proclaimed in 2024 as well. And so finally, you who fear God, oh, may God grant that this precious passage will comfort you in the year 2024. This God of whom Paul said in, so beautifully in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10, listen carefully, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, and trust that he will yet deliver us. He has delivered us, he does deliver us, and he will deliver us. Because he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that's why I began by wishing you true happiness, happy 
is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord is God. And so may we go into 2024 knowing that the Lord of hosts is with us, that the God of Jacob is our refuge. And then it says Selah. It says it three times, three times in this psalm. Selah, that means stop and consider. And so I hope that you will stop and consider the blessed truth of Psalm 46. And that as you enter this year, and when you find yourself in difficult circumstances, troubling circumstances, illness, whatever it may be, that you would turn to this psalm, that you would find your comfort in this blessed truth that God is our refuge and strength and very present help in trouble and therefore will not we fear. Amen. Let's pray. Our faithful God and Father, how can we thank Thee for the precious truth of Psalm 46, on which we have focused briefly, recognizing that we have just skimmed the surface, that the riches that are found in this psalm are unspeakable, all centered in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray, Lord, that we would enter this unknown year with the focus of Psalm 46. And should there be any among us who cannot yet say on biblical grounds that thou art their personal refuge and strength, oh, that they would seek thee while thou art yet to be found, that they would not waste any time while thou art still proffering peace and pardon. Oh, thy word stresses the urgency today. Today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And so bless us. Go with us. Give us a good day together as we gather with families and go before us. Our hope is indeed the living God. We ask it all in Christ's name alone.